stupid, stupid. Relax. It's all in bad taste. Do you know Messi is the accent as well? You did what to the talk? What mouth you know, This is probably the, the best way we could start this episode. This is the weirdest possible conversation I can imagine, and for one of the weirdest movies we're going to cover. So let's just start. Let's fucking do it. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to get weird. We've got the whole gang here, and we are here to welcome you. Yep, this fuck. I don't know what that was. Have you already burp, watched this burp, movie? Burp, Hi there, everyone, and welcome to the Bad Taste Buds podcast, the podcast where we talk trash about the very best of the very worst in cinema. I am, as always, your host, Liam, and joining me today, we have the usual suspects. We've got Jack joining us. How have you been, Jack? Universe still holding itself together where you are? Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> as, much as, you can, <laughs> as much as you can hope in these trying times. And all, as always, joining him, we have Hannah. No Hello. parallel timelines opening up for you, eh? No, no, we're all good at the We're moment. all good for now. Yeah, for now, for we'll now. see. We'll see how March goes. See how my March mind's bent after this film, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least. And I'm thinking about how naive I was in 2007 to yeah. think that Dwayne Johnson could never become the president. Yeah. But here we are in the in the real present universe, and I give it seven years before he's running. That's it. Dwayne yeah, that- <laughs> Ryan's opinion corner I love it uh, yeah and if that intro didn't confuse the fuck out of you the film we are covering today certainly will today we are covering the sophomore film of auteur director Richard Kelly uh, best known for his uh, influential cult film Donnie Darko and uh, probably one of the most I love it yeah you've made me watch that a hundred times it's... I used to love it it's arguably <laughs> it's arguably the film that got me into films. There's a couple I can like trace back to why uh, my passion for films kind of kind of stemmed from and Donnie Darko and Blade Runner the, the two that I try and like the origins of the species kind of thing. Um because I remember I have vivid memories of watching this when it came out in 2001 so I would have been like minimum like 7 8 when it was kind of big. Did you see it exactly like when it came I, out? No no no. So I remember my sister It's a dark film for a 7 8 year old. I think, old, I think my sister had it on VHS or, or DVD at that time. I can't remember if DVDs were big. My, my mind doesn't go that far back. Um, but yeah, she had it on video and I remember me and my dad started watching it one night and he turned it off after about 10 minutes because it was highly inappropriate for a nine-year-old <laughs> to be watching as you, as a responsible parent might do. But I remember sneaking down afterwards and watching it like when they were in bed at me, like midnight, one o'clock in the morning, uh, popping it in and traumatizing myself. <laughs> <laughs> because if you've seen Donnie Darko, it's a pretty freaky fucking movie. It's an exceptional movie. Like I love this movie to bits and I always have and it's, Exceptional film. I remember I grew up with it, loved it, and I was so excited when Southland Tales, the second film from Richard Kelly, was coming out. Really, really big hype behind it. Really cool actors, cool stars. I remember it coming out and it just being this thud. I watched Donnie Darko for the first time last night, have it in like a prelude to this, as I'd never seen it before as a kid. Mm. I know my parents loved it and recommended it, but I just never got around to watching it as a kid. And yeah. So really... from watching Donnie Darko last night. What do you think you're going to enjoy out of this film? From what, that it's, it's from what I've heard, like Donnie Darko was very, you know, open to interpretation, mm. very out there, no real conclusive sort of this is what happens yeah. in it. It's very much up for grabs as a, you know, we had to fucking watch a YouTube video yeah, on Yeah, I think that was the intention, wasn't it? Last, like, you know, we watched yeah. a 20 minute YouTube video discussing all the possible outcomes <laughs> of Donnie Darko <laughs> after yeah, it, it came out. Wild. So it sounds like he had a massive success with Donnie Dargo, and now he went, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Pretty much exactly what happened. And yeah, it sounds like he took it too far. South and Tales is, is one of those films that it does. It's a, it's, a, it's a film without an editor. Like, this was, yeah, you kind of admit, admit this masterpiece. We don't have to, like, we, we can almost let you off the reins in the second one. And they, yeah, they gave him so much, <laughs> so much leeway that he just made literally whatever the fuck he wanted. I mean, well, didn't he say to understand it that you have to read the two preceding books? Yes. So, oh, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Southland Tales is one of those films that is a, it's an effort. It's not something you can watch uh, passively. It's, but then it's, so are the bigger things like well, yeah. the Marvel Universe. You could, you could go into that into like huge and huge depth. I think the thing is though, you can come away from watching the standalone movies, understanding sort of what you've watched what i've heard is this you, you do genuinely hmm. need to know everything about the universe and what's going on before anything that's a fair fits point into space. Yeah. Like, yeah like i was talking to one of my work colleagues uh the other day and i was talking about one division and hmm. she was like oh yeah. that sounds really good where's that and i was like disney plus and i went oh wait have you seen the other marvel stuff you and she went to. no and i went okay never mind, <laughs> you've got, you've got <laughs> never mind. i retract my recommendation until you've seen all fucking yeah. 400 films first you know i mean for me anyway like my knowledge of my, well, my my history with Donnie Darko, even it's it's everything that's right about the independent film scene. It was this unknown guy, this guy who didn't didn't have many credits behind him. I think he worked as a, some music director videos before, and he, he kind of made a lot of friends in the industry. 
they gave him an opportunity and it it was you're right it, it, he hit it out of the park it was a home run and then second time for it to <laughs> premiere at Cannes Film Festival to a heckle and booze and people just absolutely slating this thing it's just this fall from grace there's a kind of immediate like rise and fall usually uh, it takes I, like 10 15 years for this to happen but i not. don't know if it was just like uncultured me as a child or whatever but i remember being sucked in by the box because the vhs had frank the bunny on the front mm. and it was a scary picture i yep. went and watched it and i didn't understand it but yeah. i did have child brain and then rewatching the child it, brain. I was yeah, the brain so of a child. So I was a child at the time. In, 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 a jar, <laughs> in a jar under his bed. Well, I didn't understand it. Didn't enjoy it. Rewatch it now. Did enjoy it. Overwatched it now. No longer enjoy it. Southland Tales. Very much same first few run throughs. Such a weird one. Wasn't for me, but now I'm in a good place with it. Southland Tales is fantastic. I don't care what anyone says. This is going to be me <laughs> showgirlsing it up again and defending the. Fuck it is. Out I'm not even going to try. So and with fight awards, you on it. right? Yeah. It was. It, so it was obviously nominated in the the Cannes Film Festival, obviously. Obviously. They, they, yeah. Um, and then it was also nominated for the Golden Trailer Awards. Um, yeah, these so, are things I've know. never heard of. And then Scream Awards as well as the best science fiction movie. But the one it actually won was the Village Voice Film Poll Worst Film. Yeah. So, it, so does the golden trailer just mean it had a good trailer? I, I don't. Know. Yeah, is it like it did have a good trailer? Yeah. In like yeah, the trailer work was, there, was in the trailers, or the actual trailers really good on TV? Do you think that was the trailer good because the trailer was good, or was the trailer good because every scene was just an another person? You were like, the fuck, what is this film? It's just <laughs> jam packed with yeah. everybody. It's got they could every find single from... famous person from 2007. Yeah. I think I've seen in. It, this being said, like it's it's exciting to see this with people who've never seen this before. Me and Ryan obviously have seen this. I've seen this about eight times now, and I think I've just started to understand what it means. <laughs> I've just started to piece the puzzle together. I did see that uh, this was the first film that Dwayne the Rock Johnson was just Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne. Oh, this is when he evolved. This, this is when yeah, this is his final not, his, rock. not the best film to do it in, but uh, fuck you right off because it is. Uh, secondly, but this is the thing. It, 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 even the casting, even the casting alone, says a lot to kind of the principles and the themes of the film that he casts very kind of. Almost has been at the time. Like yeah, people who were all pop culture. I Sarah Michelle was she was like well past the Buffy Prime, and oh, you think oh, like yeah, Sean Williams was. Scott had would was kind of yeah, watched Stifler and Stifler. Yeah. There was even like logic in his madness, even with kind of pre the casting of the film. Like these are people who are meant to represent these these kind of washed up pop culture representations of what America's like. And once you see the film, you'll see its depiction of America. It is extremely satirical. Like it's again similar to Showgirls. It's a satirical lens at. America as a whole, and especially America's paranoia post 9 11. I feel like I'm already saying stuff that doesn't make sense. And it does other things on top of that. Similar to the Trinkles as well. This isn't the one where the director swears it's his best work, despite the fact having. It's cr- yeah, this is child, it's, another, it's another Verhoeven showgirls case where he has yeah. like actually well respected, well received films, but yeah. still thinks this was. But then a bunch of people Magnobus. do also agree with him again. Like, a uh, lot you've of, got you, one, you're looking at one right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Apparently, it's, it's, it's either known as. As a masterpiece or just such a mindfuck that no one understands it and walks away thinking it's a bit shit but is it just your inability to understand what he was grasping at or is it the fact that you tried to shove 60 million novels worth of information into a two and a half hour mind-bending fuckery of a film it does make sense if you're willing to put the work in yeah I, think, I don't hear the concepts yeah. i remember i don't once i understood i was okay with it it's, it's regardless, <laughs> I mean, regardless, regardless similar to Verhoeven and similar to Showgirls you have a film that you have a filmmaker sorry who knows his craft who knows how to direct actors who knows how to put interesting visuals on the screen who knows how to take risks and have original concepts and I think a lot of the time directors get kind of um, cast, cast away like just because their original concepts don't land with the mass appeal the mass audience you think of people like uh, Terry Gilliam the the guy, you, you guys watched a film a few uh, a few years ago that you guys have, have talked about what's the, the Terry Gilliam film there there's like yes, a dark, dark matter or something or dark zero I don't zero theory that's the one oh yeah. that was fantastic people throw Gilliam's name out because he's like this auteur and David Lynch as well he's like the, these weird um, kind of creative almost Eldritchian oh my <laughs> god <laughs> I remember it was a bit mad com- totally abstract but quite mesmerising to watch of a lot of the style like Gilliam and that Lynch created or, or at least perfected but I just feel like his people weren't as receptive to him because he had these big names, because he had this massive budget. This was made on a, if you bear with us two seconds, this was made on a budget of 17 million, which for his, for his second film is, it's not, it's nothing Marvel money. It's no, it's no Disney money. No, but, but it's, for a second film, mind you, 
coming off the back of the release of Donnie Darko, though, yeah. would you it, say it's, it's a, a reasonable it, amount? It was right? a massive step up. I think Donnie Darko was on something like one million budget-wise. It? Like it's because oh. it, it was bare, bare bones. Like even the big Actually, actors. The special effects aren't brilliant in Donnie Darko the, the, with the tunnels. Yeah. But they are. They, they don't need to be. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's... the actors in that again. I think a lot of them were kind of pro bono work. They were just doing it because they wanted to be part of the independent film scene and they were excited to be in something so original and creative. Mm-hmm. Whereas now you up the budget, you up the special effects. You'll notice in this, this is a much glossier film. You've got these kind of. <laughs> elaborate sets and you've got a whole a, a whole city of los angeles that they have to create it's like dystopian uh orwellian futuristic mm. hellscape but it was only i think he said because it came out in 2009 he said sorry he, it came out in 2007 but he said it in 2009 so he was like predicting america to quickly kind of go <laughs> down this rabbit hole of observation what, what's the word where it's like the big brother thing the oh, my mind went numb about five seconds <laughs> surveillance mass surveillance that's the one because you'll notice the film the film kind of digs into themes of paranoia in America, especially post-war. Mm-hmm. And it plays around with this thing. America's gone to World War Three, and it's come back and it's not survived, basically. And it's like this husk of what America used to be. So it's like very much like sort of man in a high castle kind of I thought you were going to say weird. very much like kind of what America is <laughs> well, now. Well, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> with celebrities running for office. I mean, that was a big theme that people were laughing at. Like one of the big themes in this is like that kind of idea of celebrity culture. You laugh celebrities. at it, but Ronald Reagan had already happened. I don't know. I, I guess, yeah. But it's more like the Kanye Wests of the world. That's what I'm thinking. Like, the ones who are... Who else was like the... Uh, Reagan, Reagan was no idea that Ronald Reagan was famous prior well, to Reagan was like a famous actor or something prior to his presidency. I'm yeah, sure. There you go. I mean, like, I haven't Googled... <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't, like, researched... American listeners, just let us, right now. Sure. listeners, let us know. I mean, you might be spot on. I, that went over my head as Look well. Look at me learning things today. That's why I'm here. It makes sense if you're willing to put the work in. It's well, one I'm wondering, I'm not with the watch. books, how much this would make sense. Are there any reviews? Because the books are so, really hard to get. Have people said this is a masterpiece if you do read them? I'm, I'm not sure if there's any reviews specifically that I've read that refer to the, the novel. Because they're not just books. They're two massive graphic novels. Like They're like Watchmen-sized graphic so, novels. I'm not against that as a concept. Mm. I mean, one of my favourite video games franchises is the Dark Souls series, yeah. which mm. do... A lots of like story based, uh, like you know, world narrative where you've got to read item descriptions. The amount of time I've spent on fucking YouTube videos trying to make heads or tails of the actual story going on yeah. and the narrative, but I didn't feel like, oh god, I've got to look at this or I've got to yeah. look at that. Because oh, yeah. I was engaged in it and I was engrossed in the world and the gameplay and the narrative. Like the narrative was genuinely interesting. Mm. You've got to work for it where you get that sense of satisfaction. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably what he was going for, where you've got to, you know, it it feels gratifying to have kind of put the legwork in to get it. But, and like with Donnie Darko, I didn't care that I had to watch a 20-minute film just to look at all (laughs) the possibilities of what actually was happening in it because I enjoyed the film and I engaged in it. It makes you work for it. And that as a concept is fine if the work is worth engaging in. I mean, Donnie Darko is absolutely bonkers too. I mean... You guys watched it recently. I've seen it multiple times. It's it's another film that I think severely is hindered when Kelly is left to his own devices. You see the edited yeah. version, the theatrical cut, which mm-hmm. is the one I told you guys to watch. And it's the one that we, we did watch. Yeah. Um, and I, I still don't think that we... Obviously, it took us a while to understand like all the themes and stuff of the movie, but we came away with the general gist of what yeah. happened. And you've now seen all the scenes after watching that cut, right? And we watched... the director's cut sucks. Like, it does. I'm sorry. There's a big there's a big fiasco in the, kind of, the, the film criticism industry saying that the director's cut of Donnie Darko was a rare case where the director's cut ruins the experience because it explains everything. I think that's what we saw when we watched the yeah. the explained video. It showed a lot of the scenes that we'd never seen before, and had we seen them in the yeah. places where they they would have been, we'd have probably got a bit more of it a bit earlier on. But yeah. I liked the fact that you were up until the very end. Like I don't know what's yeah. going to happen because you don't know what's true and what's false and what's actually going on. It's you, a puzzle there's box. So many. In, yeah, it's yeah. not a movie. It's a puzzle box, and it's it, what what the director's cut does, and what you'll see. The director's cut was Kelly without his editor doing whatever he wanted. Southland Tales is Kelly without an editor doing whatever he wanted. What happens is you turn one of the coolest early noughties science fiction, emotional, deeply affectionate family dramas about time travel into more of a textbook early noughties sci-fi hokum in the same vein as something like The Butterfly Effect, which again, it deals with big themes and it deals with interesting concepts, but it does them in a dumb way, whereas mm-hmm. Darko did them in a really smart way. That's just kind of, and I think that's reflected in Southland Tales because you see he almost was untouchable. It was almost like, right, I can do whatever I want now. And he did everything. Like, he just went nuts. <laughs> I feel bad. It's like someone trying to be like, I just want you in my brain. I want you to understand what I'm understanding. Well, he did himself say that when he was writing the novels, it basically, like, yeah. caused him insanity. He was oh, just... Yeah. <laughs> this This idea sounds like it's it's just so 
big. Too big for the, the fact cinema, you did it yeah. in such well, not just a cinema, but the fact that you did it in such a short space of time. Do you know, he just mm. come off the do- like Donnie Darko. He was going into the box, so there was only a couple of a years, wind, window, um, yeah. which was something that seems so big. You know, how long did Almost it take talking to make the Lord of the Rings series That's and all it. of that sort of stuff? It's it's a long time coming, and this was sort of compressed. So yeah. it would be amazing to see, say, if he took twenty years, yeah. I don't know <laughs> what he would come out with. Can you? It is. You can't say that he wasn't at least ambitious. That's the kind of the, the one takeaway you you can't have is that it wasn't ambitious. And you guys are gonna have fun watching it again. It's like it's like Showgirls. You aren't gonna be bored. I'll give you that much. You might be infuriated. <laughs> you might be frustrated, but you won't be bored. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I, once I did get this and I'm thinking now that at the time I was like, yeah, it's fine. It wasn't worth it. Mm. Maybe watching it today, I'll think differently, but I rarely change my mind. Now, a lot of the film reviews, sorry, the critics, what they said on release of this, there were there were a handful of positive ones that kind of were almost sympathetic and saying, yeah, it's ambitious. It's a lot. It's almost <laughs> overly ambitious. Like he's kind of tried to cram too many things and I don't disagree with them necessarily but a lot of the reviews were also absolutely scathing like it's what this one one critic it's the sort of experience you feel embarrassed about even though you have nothing to do with it entirely misdirected the film never gels or even makes sense no like I'm thinking now scenes in my head are just random all over the place what I remember I don't remember the cohesive yeah. narrative I'm just remembering this scene happened and this scene happened no idea who related to or where about with it. No, again, I'm kind of coming opposite. I think I've seen this a little, a few more times than you. Um, yeah, only on twice. Well, for, for me anyway, this is more of an experience that is a tapestry. It is interwoven. It it's disingenuous, I think, to say that it doesn't all gel and it doesn't fit together. I think it doesn't fit together if you're passively watching it and you're not really taking it on board and you're not trying to do the work. It's a film that forces you to do work, which but, I know for a lot of people is not what you go to the cinema for. Is it like is it like looking at a cross stitch and only being able to see the brown parts and then the rest of it you've got to really go into like? I mean, that was a reference I'm never going to understand. <laughs> what do you think I am? <laughs> you say. It's, it's like an interwoven tapestry which is fair enough okay. but is it like an incomplete one really like it's if you watch a, if this I wanted even though she didn't play this. I could have done that from home it's more like a, a, sorry it's more like wait what <laughs> <laughs> that jazz reference Simpsons reference yes yeah, Simpsons reference I remember it now oh, I think fuck off I think <laughs> It's a tapestry that is complete, but it's a tapestry of one of those kind of H.P. Lovecraft, Eldritchian nightmares that you're not allowed to directly look at without losing your mind. <laughs> Maybe a TV show. Maybe it would work in a TV show narrative. When they have more, because again, one of the problems, and I will admit this, there is problems with the narrative because it is a lot. There's about four interweaving narratives. Um, I'll, I'll go through kind of a bit of a, a plot synopsis, probably from when we come back from watching the main film. It's trailer time now. It's, I think it's almost trailer time, so I want to give you guys the experience to, 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 <laughs> to say that there's a lot going on would be an understatement. We'll give us that. Even from the trailer, we can see that. I'm going to tell you the story of the journey down the road not taken. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. Okay, we are just back from watching the Southland Tales trailer, and that's about 10% of the movie you're about to watch, and that was a lot. Like, a lot. <laughs> Excellent trailer. It's a great trailer. Again, really well shot, really, yeah. like, you know... The soundtrack is yeah. stunning. I'm excited about the soundtrack, because the, the movie's score was done by Moby. The, yeah, the score was done by Moby, mm-hmm. and the songs they include, again, you've got Pixies, you've got Killers, you've Elbow. got... Like, Elbow. Elbow, yeah. a wonderful... Like, again, Kelly's not a guy who doesn't know how to put a film together. He, he just puts mm-hmm. too much. He just puts far too... <laughs> kind of... You you hit the nail on the head when you said this is a film without an editor. That's the problem you're going to see kind of going into it. A lot of people kind of make comments about is it pseudo-intellectual or is it actually trying to say something or is he just trying to be look pretentious, look smart? Oh, I feel like he's definitely trying. <laughs> he's trying. <laughs> Whether or not he's succeeding is the, is the other question. What's he I, trying in? What's he trying for? I do think these kind of movies should be celebrated, though. I do think yeah. these kind of different original concepts ones that don't kind of adhere to normal movie making rules they should be celebrated because at least the director's trying something different this yeah. is true yeah we're not going into yeah. watching Transformers 7 Revenge of Michael Bay's fucking bank account or whatever well, if you gave him like a six hour movie to make I would probably sit down and watch it and enjoy it more because I'd have more time to get used to the different threads before we do get I'm, into the movie because oh sorry Jack yeah. I'm already vibing that this would have made a better series than a film yeah yeah, yeah just, just exactly. but uh, yeah. interesting enough yeah I think so we've got The Rock as 
Boxer Santero. He's like an ex-actor turned politician. So again, a little bit ahead of its time. Like I, I feel like this is something celebrity culture is so massive in politics now that he was kind of almost predicting it in 2007. Yeah, I read Kelly was trying to not pigeonhole yeah. the actors and try to give them a role very different to what they typically yeah. play as. We have Sarah Michelle Gellar, who obviously was made yeah. claimed the famous Buffy, which Hannah, you heard there, yeah. we are massive Buffy stands. I don't she think Jack, you're not as much. as well but... in this, doesn't she? Which I'm sort of excited for and not at the same time because mm. I think we can, we can all agree from watching Buffy that what was the episode, the musical episode? Oh, one, 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 yeah. Once more with feeling that she's not the best singer. Oh, she's horrible. No, but this is like so... a satirical <laughs> pop song that's she's maybe like many other talents. Pop. She's basically playing Kim Kardashian again. This is like the prediction. I yeah, say like prediction, Buffy... but there was Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan back in those days. Yeah, because well. Buffy's like feminist. She's a powerful character. She's strong. Yeah. And same with Daphne and Scooby Doo. She was very powerful. Yeah. And in this, she's like like what ex porn star, she's an ex-porn pop, star singer, pop singer, who, pop yeah, very icon. They don't try and do much with her as to, as far as like elevating her out of that kind of very bimboy stereotype. And oh. I think again that's what she wanted I will say I fucking miss a lot of these actors and it's been so long now that I'm ready to see them all Sean William Scott it's going to be so nice Sean William Scott I used to I used to have a big, the biggest I think he was one of my first big didn't crushes, we all uh, <laughs> a stiffler in American Pie yes. um, but again he was someone who's pigeonholed into playing that kind of movie and I almost feel like Kelly kind of wanted Tarantino the way Tarantino took John Travolta's career and kind of revitalized it I think he wanted to do the same with these actors well, Pulp Fiction was one of the films he said was a big influence. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that that makes and sense. Dr. Strangle Love and yeah. what was it one? I remember reading somewhere. Anything else. by David Lynch. <laughs> a race ahead, probably. So I think we are kind of getting close to watching this film, but I, before we do, I just want to mention that the the, the aftermath, anyway, of Southland Tales kind of led to his exit exiting from directing as a career. Like, he hasn't really been sure. seen since 2000 and... Was it like 2010's The Box with Cameron Diaz and James Masters? Never heard of it, never seen it's it. It's so, so... It's a weird one. We are going to do a 0.5 on the career of Richard Kelly, so I don't want to get too far into it on this episode. However, it's, it is kind of a shame to see that the reactions surrounding this kind of tanked his career and kind of didn't... He didn't really want to continue in directing because I think he had negative experiences post this. Oh, however, ever- had The Box been a hit follow-up, it might have went a different route. I mean, he did try something else afterwards. It just flopped again. But there was elements of Southland Tales that he didn't get to finish because he'd already yeah. started on the box, hadn't yes. he? So the box is very much a studio mandate movie. He was it's a kind of one of those things where, right, we gave you we gave you free reign, now we're roping you in. And I think he clearly <laughs> Sorry, did not. I'm still yes. laughing to myself about the Simpsons. You can have the money or have what's in the box. The box. <laughs> the box. The box. The box is a weird one. The box is not a film I ever really wanted to revisit, but it's uh, it's it, again, it, it is just kind of a, a halting of it's a, a cast. It's got a great cast. Again, this has a great cast. There's no. Also, before we do it, because I think we're about almost ready, I do want to mention that we are watching the Cannes cut, which is the one that was booed and heckled at Cannes, which only adds ten more minutes into the actual film. So is it like ten minutes, like interspores between different scenes? It's ten. No, wait, but I don't know. I don't know. It's it's. I, all I know was the Cannes cut came out. Sorry, the Cannes version that was shown at Cannes is the one that we are watching today, but they took 10, they took 10 minutes out. Like, I don't know what... So I imagine it's a scene here, yeah, yeah. there. Nothing that actually changes the structure of the narrative as much as just kind of... Let's, let's see if you can spot them, expert. Well, I'll try. I've seen this film enough times that hopefully I will be able to spot them, but we'll, we'll give it a go, okay? Um, I'm excited for you guys to see this. I want to just kind of end this little section on uh, who's, who's, who's kind of, who's ready for it? Who's positive vibes going in? Who wants to kind of say what they're thinking right before they go in. No, like I say, I miss these actors. It's going to feel like going back to the 90s for a while. I don't get to see many of them anymore. I feel like I'm going into a test. <laughs> that's like, more accurate. Yeah, that's <laughs> like accurate I'm response. going into this movie and it's like, you will be it's quizzed. a test of intelligence as to how many things you can come out with and no. go, oh, I see how this represents this. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're going to a wine pairing having no fucking knowledge of wine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you feel like, I get what you mean. I feel like, like I'm going to be judged on the, on the second half of this based on <laughs> how much I actually process this film. But, yeah, I agree with Ryan. I think, like, it's glossy, it's well shot, it's got good music, it's got a good cast. It might be a fucking train wreck, but yeah. Yeah, I think it looks like it's going to be... Just don't strain yourself. It looks like it's going to be a fun film, although I do, like, struggle if it doesn't... <laughs> it's two and a half hours That's as well. How long do you think one. you're going to stay awake yeah, for? Well, I'm putting money on this one. Like, this is a bit... <laughs> I'm thinking two hours. I think it'll try as hard as... But I think it'll yeah, I would have gone sort of one hour... 40 mark, I think. I'm saying two. Right? It's just frustrating if I do that. Make <laughs> them comfy, Hannah, and I'm going to put it on two hours. Okay. Hannah, are we making a note of this anywhere? It's been oh, a while. It's, it's three numbers, Hannah. <laughs> it has been a while I've since I've had it. 
Um, but yeah, I do. If you have a chance to get a copy, you can find this on Amazon. You can also get a beautiful Blu-ray copy. Um, if you get a chance, uh, we are kind of. I'm, I'm going to plug this copy because it's stunning. The Arrow Films do a stunning re-edition of it. Um, it's getting a little bit more attention now. It's it's kind of it sat in dormancy for a while, and we're just now getting a gorgeous re-release of this. So hopefully, this gets the Blade Runner treatment, and people start giving it the appreciation it deserves potentially. I get Southland Tales twenty forty nine. That's the one. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's see it. Let's see it happen with really old with Dwayne the Rock Johnson as a replicant. Right, post president. <laughs> we will see you in two and a half hours. Well, not for not for you, for us. You guys don't have to wait two and a half. Go watch the film. Go watch the film. Go watch the film. Bye. Southland Hills might have broken me. This is the way my mind ends. This is the way my mind It genuinely ends. feels like it's been this is the way <laughs> my mind ends. into pieces. We are just going to mumble nothings into the microphone for the next <laughs> half an hour because that's how I feel and that's how I am going to feel for the rest of the day. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think our uh, insights may be completely improved. <laughs> so uh, if, if nothing makes sorry sense in advance. from here on out, it's because that movie scrambled our fucking brains. Um, it's ninth time watching it for me. Like I've seen this a fuck ton of times, and I still have questions. So yeah, we have just come back from watching the two and a half hour cans cut of Southland Tales, and I feel like I've been on a pilgrimage to hell. <laughs> to hell. <laughs> um, the film opens with the T. S. Eliot quote and that handy cam footage of that like South. Uh, it's like a Southern U.S. barbecue, isn't it? And it kind of it kind of sets yeah, family up family footage, home video, really with, cute with the garbled misinterpretation of the T. S. Eliot poem. So that like this is the way the world ends is from a T. S. Eliot poem. I think it's the Hollow Men. It's from mm-hmm. really really famous quote, and it's it's kind of him repurposing. So the original quote is this is the way the world ends, not with a bang, with a whimper. Yeah, and he flips it. So if that is kind of an indication of how pretentious this film's going to be you throughout. Cards Against Humanity <laughs> didn't make that up. No. I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've just come back from watching Southland Tales. We're going to try and just dissect this film for you guys. That's that's our mission. That's our goal. And we're going to do our fucking best. It's going to be it. a messy autopsy. Yeah, I'm fucking excited for the synopsis. What? How? I'd write. How are you <laughs> going to do this? I thought for a while to write my own. I was like planning to write my own. And I got a few sentences in and there was just no way. So I had to Google like Southland Tale basic synopsis. And I got it down to like a, a paragraph. So let's. Should, should, should let's a go? do this <laughs> <Let's see laughs> because like let's be honest there's about eight plots simultaneously <laughs> happening at once but let's do the main thing so with the united states under a threat of a nuclear attack the lives of several people co- converge in a dystopian los angeles movie star boxer santero played by Dwayne the rock johnson no sorry not the rock johnson just Dwayne johnson mm-hmm. plans his next film with the help of ambitious porn actress krista now played by sarah michelle geller and a troubled policeman roland taverner sean william scott Meanwhile, Marxist revolutionaries, greedy corporations, and secretive government agents pursue their separate agendas among a paranoid populace. Now, that's... I wish it was that easy. Yeah, that's not the film. Let's be honest. That's like the skeleton of the film, but the film is so much more than that. Almost too much more than that. Can we just say it it also does a George Lucas and starts in chapter four? Yes. It's uh, (laughs) first kind of after that first little handicam of the... Which is actually quite a sweet scene. I like the opening scene. It's kind of this very homely, kind of very um, quaint... All American barbecue. Oh, that adorable. The family's massive. It sets up the nuclear attack because we, we see kind of from a first person perspective this this nuclear bomb going off, which leads us into the futuristic dystopian Orwellian timeline that we're in, and it explains kind of what we're about to see for the next two and a half hours. And then from there, I don't really know where to <laughs> where to start. Where you first timers thoughts what do you two think specifically from you because we me and ryan have had a perspective on this before i think from you guys did we enjoy it did we hate it did we every time i feel like i've grasped an aspect of it and then i think about it a little bit more it becomes less clear yeah yes. like i feel like i grasp a bit and that breaks another bit yeah it's oh, like yeah. okay that bit makes sense but then that contradicts that bit um <laughs> as a, <laughs> i stayed awake as a film he did you know what can we give him a, a non, non-audible round of applause because yeah well done jack so I, mean, I feel like the headache from watching this was i did have a, <laughs> i did have quite a headache halfway through i don't know if that's dehydration from today or just the film just but, stress you know fucking write in if you get a headache too let's say <laughs> um but yeah as a film 
there were funny bits that were meant to be funny. Yep. The the soundtrack was the star of the show. Exceptional. Yeah. The, the best yeah, thing was. about this film is the soundtrack, without a shadow of a doubt. You could just put the, the movie on, turn away from it, and just listen to it. And See, it I don't know if you be... could, because there's still the dialogue. All I know is that pimps don't commit suicide, and nobody rocks the cock like Kristen now. That's literally the only two <laughs> things that I've learned from this experience. But yeah. But we have learned. I mean, I'm going to go ask some pimps now. Be really mean to them all you want. They'll See if you can get them to commit suicide. They'll kill themselves. I am so glad I watched Donnie Darko yesterday because yeah. for me, it feels like the basic principles of time travel are yeah. the same in these two films. Mm -hmm. Except it's much easier to digest in Donnie Darko. Well, it's, um, it's loosely book, like done off the Book of Revelation, book Revelations, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So if you sort of, apparently, which is also quite <laughs> hard fans. to understand in itself, <laughs> You know, movie. written in the first century kind of thing. It's like, most, well, it's the best sold book ever made, isn't it? Yeah. Technically, oh, yeah, it's about, yeah. That bit where the fucking Jesus tattoo bleeds at the yeah. end. Oh, <laughs> oh, a lot of the symbolism is is a little bit too on the nose, which it's I think so ham fisted, man. Some of but it. I thought that was the other guy. I thought it was the policeman guy that was Tab the, the Christ figure. Yeah, no, he's bigger John than William Scott. He's he's the one who kills God. Is is their is their analysis of it? So let's like yeah, let's zoom back. Yeah, let's we we are going to confuse the fuck out of everyone with this. So let's zoom back. Let's let's start where the film starts on chapter four. So this tells you right off the bat. It comes up with a title screen saying chapter four. A I can't remember hope. what the subtitle was for it. A but, new hope. Yeah, new hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, it's one of those cases where it tells you right that there are there are three. I guess it's three comic books you're meant to have read beforehand, which. Making the audience do homework before you see the film <laughs> not really the best way to start. I, d I don't know. It just it feels like you're already starting on a really... Maybe that's where the pimp line comes from. I mean, it probably it's probably said throughout that as well. It's it's one of those things that it's 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 overly ambitious. It's like the antithesis of like underachievement. It's it's like it, he wants to do everything at once. He wants to have his cake. He wants to have several cakes <laughs> and eat them all at once. Now, I came up with like a list of all of the different subplots that are in this film. And That's I kinda... impressive in itself, I'll be, but I'll I... be honest. <laughs> I was on a while doing it. But I want to I want to kind of run through it and just really quickly list them off and see if I missed any, because I think I might have. So we've got the politicians, the Republican Party, which is pretty much the only party in the race at the minute. The the, yeah. the yeah. Democrats have been wiped out there trying to get reelected. We've got the neo-Marxists, which, which is are the what's left of the Democrats. Which is party. yeah, what's left of the yeah. Democrats trying to overthrow their election race with using a sex tape of boxer. Yeah, they're who... like eco terrorists, <laughs> but political eco terrorists. They're just terrorists. There's nothing. That, I mean, they're kind of eco terrorists, but it's more One like one of them is nice. Mm, you've got <laughs> you've got the narrator. You've got Pilot Abilene, who's telling the story, but he's also connected to the story because he's friends with Roland Taverner. That confuses yeah. me more than anything, I think. Who's a soldier who went through a time rift with Boxer Santero, creating two separate versions of them. You've mm -hmm. also got... Mm -hmm. I'm getting really stressed out doing this. <laughs> you've, also, <laughs> you've also got the porn star, Krista Now, who wrote a screenplay with Boxer Santero in order that the screenplay predicts what's going to happen, that the world's going to end when these two people meet. Don't forget she has a pop music. She also has a jewelry. A she does. Line. She Energy does. Drink. Energy, Energy drink. drink. Um, She's on a talk show. You've got the neo-Marxists setting up a race riot, which you picked up, Jack, and that it wasn't was really a race riot. Was, well, the way they implied it, yeah, there's a footage of a, a cop killing uh, an armed black man. And then there's riots on the street to imply yeah. that it's a race riot. And literally, I was trying to count. And 99% <laughs> of the actors and actresses in that scene were all just white people shooting each other. Yeah, I'm not even halfway through the list, guys. <laughs> like you've, got, you've got the US Ident, which is the 1984 Orwell like, surveillance police that have mm -hmm. with guns snipers. and yeah, snipers. Yeah, snipers on every rooftop. You have the governor's wife, who is in charge of that. And she's fucking a random dude, who I think was part of the neo-Marxist, because I think he took her gun. You've got the army. You've got the army involved. You've got these like weird little side plot with the army and the drug. You haven't mentioned the operations yet. I haven't even mentioned, even, haven't even mentioned <laughs> Liquid Germans. Karma. Liquid Karma. They've created a perpetual motion machine that creates energy. That's also a drug that the soldiers use. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've got the fact that the the screenplay is kind of the story that's actually happening. That the screenplay yeah. is kind of Southland Tales in and of itself. You've also got that the police guy was the one that shot the narrator. Yeah. And yeah. his guilt for it at the end is like what they're going for. What we're for? trying to say, guys, is there is about 30 films <laughs> in this one film alone. And I love it, but I'm also frustrated. This is probably the hardest one for me to actually explain because I don't know if I love this or I absolutely despise it. And I feel like this is every time I watch this, I'm either this is super ambitious, it's really creative, it looks cool as shit, yeah. it sounds cool as shit. In theory, it, it sounds like an excellent anthology movie. 
it yeah. would have made as I said at the start I think it would have made a phenomenal TV show yeah, yeah. absolutely two and a half hours is not enough time to resolve how many aspects he yeah. wanted to resolve oh absolutely like it's 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 too much to, it feels rushed it feels crammed in and I think the ending especially like rewatching the ending I feel like that a lot of what happens at the end comes out of a necessity to wrap things up almost like oh shit I've got 20 minutes left I, I can't go any longer <laughs> I mean, we watched the Cannes version, which is uh, the first time I watched it, which we were thinking, right, 10, 10 extra minutes. There's a whole new fucking character oh, yeah, in this. Got there's the a whole D&D aspect. Yeah, there's thing a whole to way well. extra general played by, um, oh, what's her name? Uh, Gina, Gina Garano, I think her name is. And she's the, she's in Ratatouille. She's the voice of the main woman in Ratatouille. She's going to say shit. No, can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? Gina Garano, I think her name is. Um, but yeah, she's just not in the original cut. They cut her out entirely. So, like, as if we needed more shit to fucking, <laughs> like, consider and remember. I liked it, though. Oh, it was a good addition. I think what I picked up on it, I hope, I, I'm, I'm kind of getting your your two perspectives specifically, because you've watched Donnie Darko recently. Where this and Donnie Darko, where this one falters and Donnie Darko succeeds is because Donnie Darko is still ambitious. It's still something that's existential and philosophical, mm-hmm. but it focuses kind of on one element. And it's it a singular narrative. Yeah, it's a yeah. singular... It, it's not worried about a million different characters. Like, we were 40 minutes into this and we were still introducing main characters. It was That's that kind of thing. situation. Donnie Darko, you could interpret it in many a different way. You could. Yeah. And, and there's there's many a different way you can you can look at it. That's, I don't it, want you, you to get it. Yeah, I get you. But there's, there's so many of them. There's so many different timelines and things that you can interpret in so many different ways that you just have absolutely mm. no feckin' idea what's going on. Nothing was bad though. Like all the individual scenes and stories that were going on were entertaining. It was well acted it was too. Well acted. It was yeah. well shot. I, I mean, the think... scenes were beautiful. Like the even down to like choreography. Yeah. They like the dance number they oh, did in the middle. Oh, can we please talk about the killer scene? Because they, they do. They stop fantastic. the movie. They basically stop the movie halfway through to have a killer's music video. But it's the best scene in the film. And this it's is what Liquid Karma does to you. Yeah, it's a scene where um, Justin Timberlake's character uh, Abilene he takes Liquid Karma and he kind of trips out and does this whole choreographed musical number with like these. I have American versions of like nurses. I think they're meant to be like like war nurses and, and stuff like that. And it's such a well put together scene. It's such an entertaining scene to watch. But you're right; it comes out of nowhere. There's no need for it, and right. it does add like three minutes to it. Let's talk about liquid karma, okay? That's <laughs> how the science the science <laughs> teacher would to like to it. discuss. Liquid Go on, karma. Jack Science Corner. So, from what I gathered, the fucking perpetual motion machine thing. There was I read somewhere actually that it was a, a the blueprint they used was some mock up. Based on a design Tesla put together. Okay. There was if never, it was anyone, it would was be ne- Tesla. Of course, but there was, it was never like, you know, come to life. Yeah. I mean, he built a death ray, you know, he, he had <laughs> plants to make machines to <laughs> so control evil. the weather using electricity. He was, you know, he created the 20th century and he was also slightly an evil genius as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, so again, tracks. again, cringe at the word perpetual motion machine for mm. a start. And also, it's a fuel source that is also a drug. It mimics the ocean, yet it is also a drug. Yeah, I, yes. They never explain that. So it's a machine, but it's yeah. also a liquid and a substance and a drug and a fuel. I think, like, come on. <laughs> does, I, li- does the machine make liquid karma using the fuel from the ocean? What the fuck? You know, it's it a 21st century but, and, and also it's causing the earth to slow down its... By 0.06%. No, no, that wasn't enough noise. But that's, that's another subplot. That's what, that's what brings in these time rifts, which is what Boxer and well, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's character and Sean William Scott's character travel through in order to create the duplicates of themselves. Did that cause a time rift? That's... Or did the nuclear bomb cause a time no, rift? No, 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 no. It was the slowing of the Earth. They said that yeah. that caused anomalies that caused the, the, the time portal to, to open. <laughs> Uh, and and for them to travel through, it's you're right. I feel like every we're going to talk about this, and we're going to remember more things. I just remembered Zora. There's a, a character called Zora who's like a triple agent at one point. She's working for the Marxists, then she's working for the government, then she's working for herself, and then she dies. And then that's it. And I'm I don't, playing both sides. So I yeah. win. But I also think because like comparing it to Donnie Darko, which you can't help but do, I also feel like Donnie Darko is rooted in a lot more of a human emotional. Like the people in this film are caricatures, whereas Donnie and his family, they they feel like real people. They feel like there is an emotional thread there, and there's an emotional payoff when he has to kill himself when he has to sacrifice himself whereas i feel like this one is so cartoonish that the sacrifice at the end doesn't hold anywhere near as much weight well, and then baron the... who's dressed like a hunger games villain isn't he? like <laughs> they all are they're and all, all the little minions like <laughs> and also the girls were like oh he's gonna have to die and they were like crying up and tearing about it then they all died yeah, like they, all died. Yeah. they knew they were all going to die but they were only sad that he dies like fuck 
let's talk about some positive aspects because I think we, we have. It's hard not to be. I don't feel like we're being negative. I just feel like we're being. You no, know, it's like Abraham Dolph Linkler. It's hard to pin down. What it is. It it's, for. it's a very difficult film to come to a conclusion as to what we feel. But I don't positive elements. Confused, I would say. Yeah, the acting is exceptional. Like I think mm-hmm. every single one of the actors. I think even you see this cast and you see Justin Timberlake, you see Sean William Scott, Sarah Michelle Gellar. I mean, obviously, The Rock has made a name for himself, but the other guys, acting sorry, wise, sorry, yeah, <laughs> the other guys have kind of almost faltered and, and become kind of like uh, celebrity husbands almost. I, but mm-hmm. I do think they're all perfect in the roles. And you're right, like Sarah Michelle Gellar doing something that is so out of her wheelhouse, being this entirely just just uh, sex crazed porno- pornographic actress. She's having so much fun, and you can tell, and it's a pleasure <laughs> to watch. And I think they all are. I think Tim Blake as well is having so much fun and it's just an absolute joy. Tim Blake apparently loved making this film and but still to, to this day has no idea what it was I think about. That's fair. But, but again, it was we... fun. I mean, he got to make a killer's music video. He's in that scene. Most of the uh, takeaway from all of the cast was like, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. I have no idea what it's about. It's odd. But you look at the cast. <laughs> you can odd. clearly tell that this guy was in high demand. Like you have actors who... These really high name actors, you're like saying that there's a guy from Chuck in there. There's there's, lo- there's loads of actors Rapunzel's who in Rapunzel's there, in there. There are cameos from like really high profile directors. There's a scene where Eli Roth, the guy who made Hostel and Hostel Two and all those really cool like exploitation films, there's a scene where he gets shot on a toilet and he's in it for about two seconds. Why was there speaking so of many the toilet? Yeah. yeah. What what was the obsession? I feel like with it's sex vomit. and poo and vomit. And, yeah. You remember just... how like Verhoeven has these motifs where his motifs were dog uh, food. nails, dog food, yeah. chips. I do feel like he's just trying to... I don't know what it is. I don't think it's like... It's it's something to do with America's obsession with prudishness, I think. And this idea that America is kind of... Especially the right-wing version of America that this future is trying to de- depict is kind of very kind of conservative. Oh, so it's literally doing toilet humour. It's literally humor. toilet humour. But I, I think that's intentional. I think that's actually yeah, quite clever. Yeah, play into that weird car advert that they saw in the oh, middle. Oh, that's... In- Wait, what? The car fucking. I think you were out of the room. I think you went for a for a. I don't know what you went for. A slash there was an or something. Where a car. Slash. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there was an advert where a car a car grew a dick and fucked another car. Excuse like me. His wheels it. came yeah, out like spider legs. Was this like not in the original film? No, no, it was. This is in the original. This is that's not not. And added. then the, the, I watched this. I, I remember how little I remember. The <laughs> Maybe car, you blacked the out. The receiving <laughs> car. Its exhaust turned into a vagina. A vagina. They kind of pass it off as this like European thing. Apparently, that's what they think Europeans like. They say like, "Oh, it's just a European thing," and I'm like, I don't... Well, like "This there one won't be airing in America." Yeah. Like, this is definitely for the what for I Europeans. can't tell about it because I, I, from my memory of watching it before, I remember it being a very political film, and it is a very political film. But I can't tell if it's leaning to either side, and I quite like that it almost seems very balanced. It's almost making fun because it is satire. It's making fun of both sides quite. Mm-hmm quite fairly and justly in balance, which I quite like. I don't think there's any like, oh, the right wings are all idiots or the left wings well, are all idiots. Well, the representation of the left and the right being the senator and the Marxist leader, mm. um, just hate banging at the end kind of yeah. brings them together. Yeah, that was an interesting <laughs> way to win the film. It's almost like the biggest takeaway fun. is just like, yeah, everybody wants to fuck, hate fuck everybody. And that's the, the, right. Either everybody's fucking everybody. Everyone's working against everybody. It does feel like every other scene is someone else double crossing someone else. Oh my God, another side thread. The fake doctor, um, aquabiologist who was given... Which one's this now? Because there's like 40 So characters. Dwayne Rock Johnson's screenplay character, who that oh. lady who was working who, at the yeah. control oh, centre yeah. saw, yes. who became obsessed with boxing, yes. who I then pretended to be one. one of his characters in the screenplay, who then fed him information, went and found him, and fucking killed herself. No, no, she got no, shot. Because she, she threatened to kill herself if she couldn't suck his dick. There's far, far, yeah? far <laughs> too much to process. It's like, if, if there's some, anything we want you to take away from this episode is like, this is... You're right, Jack. This is something that should have been given out in a much larger kind of a format where, where we, mm-hmm. you could have actually de- delved into some of the characters and delved into some of the I the, am one more. I want yeah. more now that I've seen yeah, it and again. Well, I want comics. to understand it, which, if anything, is is a win, right? That means that they've won us over. He's he's given us a piece of this universe, and now I want to know what the mm. rest of that yeah, universe holds. Good luck getting the comics, though. <laughs> Very hard. I do think one of its biggest kind of takeaways is it, it, it is consistently trying to be philosophical at every turn. There's another poetry quote. There's another uh, philosophical uh, just jargon, really. And some of them just completely fly past the radar and don't don't land whatsoever. I mean, I keep using Robert Frost a few times. Well, like one of the main, the main character, the governor's 
R. Frost. I can't remember what his first name is. It might be Robert, but the governor's name is Robert Frost. But they do reference Robert Frost's poetry several times, like the uh, the two two roads diverge in a yellow wood kind of thing. Isn't mm. like the roads diverge the name of the first comic? Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that actually might be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I, I often wonder whether or not it, it, because it is philosophical and it is poetic and it is art. But how much of it is like pseudo intellectualism? Yeah. Like how much of it is he's just trying to be smart without well, actually saying say, much? A lot of it was ham fisted, and yeah. I think that plays into that same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Again, positives though. We were all of us consistently laughing because it is billed as a comedy. <laughs> like it's a post-apocalyptic dystopian comedy. It's genuinely funny. Like there are genuine <laughs> laugh out yeah. loud moments, and I think again, it it shows that he is a very competent director. He is quite a competent writer because he wrote and directed this, which. As a project alone, that's hella ambitious. Oh, Ooh. yeah, that's an undertaking. I feel like this is one of the first ones we've done where I've laughed in the right places mm-hmm. and I've appreciated it how it's meant to be appreciated. I'm just confused. Do you ever feel like he did Donnie Darko, right? And he had all of these concepts for time travel and as he was writing Donnie Darko, all of these mad things were going off his brain. What happens if this happened and what happens if this happened? And he just waited until after and smashed them all into a Yeah, film. these are just the leftovers. Because the, 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 there's so much of Donnie Darko in that film. Like, the... The way that they time travel, the fact that they've yeah. got to go into like a metal capsule, like you mentioned earlier on, the artifact, yeah. the fact yeah, that the that same. guy gets shot in the I don't know, there's there's a lot of symbology that, that classes with clashes yeah. even yeah. with Donnie yeah, Darko. Yeah, the cop gets shot in the opposite eye to, oh, to Frank and Donnie yeah. Darko. Yeah, yeah. Whether that's of significance or not is it might just be an Easter egg. But there were so of... many images of Frank, yeah. the like in the killers, um, the music video scene, uh, the pattern on uh, Abilene's shirt is the same as as the the kind of outline the silhouette of frank the bunny there's posters of him everywhere there's kind of references to his older films which i i, I would like to see like a shared like an mcu style shared universe of just time travel <laughs> like what the fuck i'm not sold on the plausibility of this dystopia okay i get I you feel i'm gonna go with you on this maybe i, I don't know i don't know why it was it just because it was so close to the event and so much had changed and the way things were completely U-turned. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or may, uh, maybe, you know, had it been set 10, you know, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years into the future? Yes. I feel like it would have had far more validity as uh-huh. a dystopia, but then again, I don't know how that ties back into the comics because he was... Did the bomb was the bomb of any relevance, or was that there just was the a catalyst new... for the new normal? Well, there was a World War Three as well. They mentioned, I think, yeah. they mentioned it in the film or in the comics, but there was a, there was a World War Three, and there was three they do nuclear mention attacks it in the film because that's where that guy gets yes. drafted. Yeah, um, but I think you're absolutely right, Jack. Like, I I think not enough time has passed. They say it's like two years yeah. since the bombs. It doesn't he feel like a perpetual motion machine in that time. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. Everyone's wearing Hunger Games capital balls. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, bad yeah, in 2008. Give it fifteen years since the bomb went off or something. Maybe you could say, yeah, that you know that kind of tracks. Yeah, I just the the, the dystopia didn't mm. sit with me. The you okay, know yeah. as he tried to do a lot of things like, hmm, what the dystopias have they normally hypersexualized. Surveillance tick. is a big one. Surveillance yeah. tick, uh, oppressive government yeah. tick. He feels like it's almost like a, a ticky box exercise. Okay, yeah. What what would a this uh, you know an American semi modern dystopian be? I think part of the date was it was based in two thousand eight, wasn't it? Yes, right. Yeah. So that was the year like it came out. So I feel like he wanted to do that date. Maybe he was just like, oh, maybe we couldn't have a World War Three too long He's... ago, so he no, just kept the, it close. The initial so film that they opened up with is two thousand five, isn't it? Four, five. No, two thousand four, two thousand five. So it's only. Three, three or, or four, four years. years afterwards. Yeah, it's not directly afterwards. Three, three or four years afterwards. In yeah, that time, they'll have had to overcome being nuked to yes. get back to this, no one this talks civilization. About the no one no talks oh, about yeah. the fact they were nuked. They're not nuked once ago. either. They're well, nuked three times. Yeah. Apart from, they still they? talk about 9-11, 20 years on, but the, the, no one mentions the <laughs> nuclear bomb that went off three years Zeppelin, ago. In there were black and white pictures just of the nuclear explosion plastered mm-hmm. like all around one wall. It was really like, odd, bad taste. I don't even think we've talked about the Zeppelin yet, have we? That's uh, another. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So was it three nuclear bombs? Yes. Yeah. There was, they, they were all. In, they were all in the Southland as well. They were, they were in Texas. They said, or they were kind of definitely lower down, um, which makes me wonder what the North of America is like. Like, is New York the same? Like, because this is all Los Angeles, California. What's going on in New York? Like, is the same kind of riots in the streets? Is a... people dressed like Capitol members? <laughs> I... <laughs> I'm geeky saying this. I'm still thinking about like, like how the possible Chernobyl, is. the Chernobyl fallout. <laughs> you know, like the. <laughs> You know, the radiation rates and all of that yeah. sort of thing. 
it has massive long-term impact on the area around it, especially if fucking three of them went off, you know? it's And you're right, like, we don't always expect our science fiction films to be spot on to the to the T, but you want a little bit the of... world's stopping spinning, and that's magic. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. I mean, in the background all the time, there are scenes where there's, like, shots of, like, news and stuff going off with, like, yeah. wildfires across the world and stuff. So we know that it's in turmoil and places, but it seems yeah. absolutely fine where they are. Like, like... Fine. It's just it's it's Apart from it, the time rip. <laughs> again, he wants us to focus on too many things. He wants us to be able to process this many things in one sitting. You, you can't expect an audience to sit through a film five, six, seven times to get it. You mm-hmm. want an audience to get it the first time. And I'm not gonna lie, I didn't. I have not. I still, I'm ninth time through. I'm still questioning a lot of aspects of the film. And in, in that measure, it's a kind of a failure. It's a spectacular failure, and it's a gorgeous failure, and it's a well acted failure, and it's an interesting, funny failure. But it's still a failure, <laughs> and I love it. But I kind of hate it. Like, yeah. Again, positives. <laughs> Let's talk some of the actors we haven't mentioned yet. Um, Wallace Shawn, the guy from Princess Brides, he is exceptional oh, he is. Um, as the, the Baron. He's like this really creepy German... I, I didn't mean that to sound a little bit like racist. <laughs> but they make him like super ominous and he's so he's so hammy. Like he's playing... He's you just having... wanted to shout Excelsior. Yeah, Excelsior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's the inconceivable. Like, the absolutely just brilliant. The, the woman from uh, Portuguese, like he gets these really cool culty actors from like old 80s films. Like the one, the, the, the dwarf from Portuguese. She's fucking exceptional. She's the one spouting off a lot of the, the, the kind of pseudo-philosophical things. And he's making reference to even like David Lynch films. I mean, me and you, Ryan, talked about this prior. The woman, the singer who's sung, sung the uh, national anthem at the end... Um, in the original cut, that's a much longer scene. They actually took Best things version out. I've ever heard. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> she made a kind of a name for herself in film through a David Lynch film called Mulholland Drive, where she does a very similar scene where she sings, and it's a very emotional, kind of very Ooh. climactic song that leads to the kind of the, the finale. So that's a direct reference to David Lynch. Like he, he wears his influences on his sleeve, but whether or not he has his own voice, it does feel like. He's scrambling and he does feel like he needs someone to tell him to just calm the fuck down. <laughs> Honestly. Well, yeah, like you had Sean William Scott pull up to the house pretending to be his twin brother, the racist cop, who yeah. was just him from the past. Yeah. But then the two Marxists that are there, the actors who are going to pretend to get shot, have dressed up in really caricature Jewish makeup, Amy Poehler and oh, whoever she's I meant to be married actor, to. Yeah. Uh, it's just weird because they just needed him to shoot... Like someone that was black, yeah. But they, they race, both right? dressed up as Jewish people as well, and it's weird. It's Again, weird. is he trying to send a message about racism in America, or did he just want to have the N word in his film? It feels like is it he's trying to be like edgy, edgy for the sake? Yeah. yeah, it feels like it, there was so many different ways you could have. And if he was being sold against Harry Fisted, you're right. Yeah, keep settling back around with that. And can someone tell me why in this universe rollerblades had to change? There's a lot of rollerblades. A lot of rollerblades. <laughs> why were the blades put on the side? Because it's a dystopia. Thanks <laughs> <laughs> delayed runner. Perhaps. I'm just saying words Maybe. now. That's film, this film does that sometimes. I'm just going to say random words. It's a method to the point of being obnoxious as well. Like they have this whole mm. subplot where the script is kind of retelling the movie. So they have the script in the movie that's telling the events of the movie. And it's like... Too many ideas. Too I many things like it, going on. That comes up quite, uh, pretty early with the script. Yeah, it pretty much like lays 15, out 20 minutes yeah, exactly what's going to happen over the next two hours. It's like the movie's playing this kind of fucked up version of Chicken with the audience where it's like, I, when you just don't think it can get any fucking weirder, it does a kickflip while jumping the shark and shitting the bed all at the same time. <laughs> and it's just <laughs> like, yeah, fair enough. I'm, I'm with you. I am with it. Like, I'm not, I wasn't bored. I wasn't, I was never not entertained, but I was frustrated at times. Yeah, yeah I feel mm-hmm. that. I had a lot of questions. I mean, for me, part of it was my fault. I watched it before and I remembered scenes out of all this. So I thought Sarah Michelle Geller was working with the Republicans when she wasn't. And once I got my head straight, it made a lot more sense. But again, it's, I'm more confused about things that I wasn't before, but I've learned things that I didn't know previously. Yeah, no, it's absolutely. a big jumble and I want to know more. I really, really love this film. and I do. Yeah, I... I want the comics. I want it to make sense to me. You want to learn more about the universe. You want to have the full picture because we're not really given the full picture is the problem, I think. So does that mean then, then, that it did do its job? It invited you into a universe I mean, and it gripped you? Not by a movie standpoint because it made a measly <laughs> 300,000 back off its 17 million. Bloody like This was hell. a massive bomb, like a massive bomb. And this is kind of the reason Kelly's career ended after this was a lot to do with the, the, the box office intake of this film. Didn't didn't kind of foresee that 
I mean, he's predicted so much. The, 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 the film itself, the, the satire in the film is still poignant. Like, he, he talks about race riots. He talks about kind of the the segregation of the classes. Space talks, Force. Space, Space Force. Force. <laughs> but, I mean, even, like, surveillance, this was kind of... I think this was pre... Um, what's the big surveillance thing in America? The, the company that fucking tracks everyone's phones? Skynet. That's, <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's go with Skynet. But it does it like satire-wise. It it's, it does hit on very kind of poignant themes in America still to this day. Like it's a lot of the paranoia post nine eleven. It does play with that, and it plays with it quite interestingly. Like it portrays an America that is very deeply affected by war on home soil. Like and I think, I think there is credit where credit is due that it does tell this compelling story, regardless of whether or not it's jumbled and and confusing and yeah you and... don't know why but you do genuinely love some of the the characters or yeah. like you, you get very invested in them considering you know very little actually about any of mm-hmm. them yeah like had the marxist leader like died i would have just flipped my shit <laughs> it's quite impressive that a film can have about 40 main characters and have you invested in at least half of them yeah so yeah but on that logic alone it, there, there are definitely successes that i think outweigh the negatives there are negatives this is not a perfect film yeah no for me it's it's more good than it is bad and there's a lot of exposition dumps like i feel like what i was complaining about with the donnie darko director's cut where it explains a lot i feel like they kind of have to but there are scenes where characters will just explain what's going on and even then it doesn't make sense like even with the explanation (laughs) you're still like nope don't get it i think the soundtrack did most of the exposition in this really yeah i totally agree me and bobby mcgee freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose obviously all these things that i've done get myself elbow yeah Wave of mutilation is in there as well. A little bit ham-fisted, but you know, no one knows what the fuck is going on, including the main (laughs) characters. Tender by Blur. It's a it's a bitching soundtrack, and even the score by Moby, like the the score all the way through, is it's so it's so atmospheric. It's so transports you into that world. It it sends you through a time hole and transport you in. You are you're invested in everything that's going on. I normally only passively listen to soundtracks in films, and I never remember what was in it or really pay attention. But this every now and then, I just kept zoning in and being like, "Oh, this is fucking great." There is a lot to love here. There is a lot to appreciate. It's far from perfect. It's 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 miles from perfect. But I do think this has firmly planted itself in the cult, kind of the, the sphere of cult. Yeah. I wouldn't even necessarily, on reflection, call it best worst. It was panned. People fucking hated this when it came out. <laughs> but I do think it's getting that appreciation akin to Showgirls. It's one of those things where people are reevaluating it. People are trying to understand it. People aren't just doing that like knee-jerk reaction to it, like, oh, this is just far too fucking much. It is far too much, but it's also there's a lot of good within that far mm-hmm. too much, if that makes sense. I have a lot of questions, and I'm still wondering, is it pseudo-intellectual, is it intellectual? Like, everything does feel on the nose, but at the same time, it is relevant, and I do enjoy it. So it's a really weird mid-ground. I don't know if it's intellectual when you go into a, a library with a woman at the front <laughs> desk reading a book called Evil Women, and the library is oh falling God, yeah, literally. Evil <laughs> Women. Filled you know? with evil women. Well, again, like- is it intellectual? That's the scene that springs to mind. You're not wrong. Yeah, again, I'm kind of in the middle of both of you. I kind of feel like there are genuine moments of intrigue and satire and uh, kind of a really interesting portrayal of dystopia. But again, on the reverse of that, on the flip side, there are scenes of pretension and there are scenes of pseudo-intellectualism that don't hit. It's very much a 50-50 film of this works and this just doesn't. I think you can tell that Kelly is an intellectual He's guy. a genius, regardless yeah, of what you think. His, his brain is, is clearly yeah. one of those that goes at a billion miles Just per hour. Just the ability to make to write and direct Absolutely. Yeah. With so many things that are interlinked and they are sort of hinted at or, or looked at and, and things like that. So he himself, incredibly so, the, the film, mm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a mismatch of all of these crazy ass ideas. He needed more time. He needed yeah, more, he a bigger did. space to do this. Or he needed an editor to tell him this doesn't work. Take this out. Take this out. Take this <laughs> or out. Or just move them and split them and but maybe do... release like six films. I, I, get, seven, I, but I feel eight, like my, my argument this whole time is he needs an editor. But I think with an editor, you don't have a lot of this film. Like you cut an hour out, you you still won't have. You cut 10 minutes could... out, you don't have a lot of the plots. Yeah, there was a whole thread there that was just eliminated. Yeah. On the positives, there's some really interesting things to discuss. I mean, we've had this, like, we've been talking throughout the entire film, basically saying, like, discussing what the fuck is, is this, what the, what's this. It's got us speaking, which you, is it's something you can't say about a lot of kind of big budgeted mainstream mm-hmm. Hollywood directed films, which this was by this point. This had moved out of independent territory into kind of a much bigger, this got a wide release. This, this, was, this was kind of shown at film festivals all around the world. 
a lot of most films on that scale don't get people to talk on this level of intellectualism and i think that in and of itself is a thing to appreciate every time we say the word intellectualism on this podcast i die a little oh, bit. i know a little oh. bit yeah I, I i wonder like should we do like a little drinking game every time I, it's usually me who <laughs> says that, is real girl <laughs> Well, this is it. I, re- I relate to this film. I'm very pretentious myself. I get it. I totally understand. <laughs> I really hope in a five, ten years' time, this is picked up as a series. I really yeah. do. Do I care mm-hmm. enough about the iteration of the film to go and read the comics? No. Oh, see, I do. Like, I get you. I- I'm with you entirely on that. But I would actually like to read the comics. <laughs> I'm yeah. in- you know, I'm, I'm intrigued, but I'm- I don't care enough to follow yeah. it up with source material, comic books, whatever. It was... A good premise, an interesting one, but again, I'm not that enthralled. I'm not, not at least not enough to go out and buy two fucking books I so I can make sense of this film. Yeah, I don't know if you took away some of the elements, if they would still carry as much gravitas. Mm-hmm. Like, if you took away the soundtrack, if you took away yeah. sort of like the crazy dance scenes and all that. Yeah. I, like I said, I think the music plays a, a huge part in enjoying this film. Really and obviously, if you put that in a graphic novel, mm-hmm. you, 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 lose sort of, it. you lose that element. It's all in your head. So I don't then know if it was... Then you also have the artistry of the graphics themselves, which I fucking love. That's, that's true, yeah. I also think Donnie Darko, like, uh, something that the box loses is that level of... of kind of the interplay within the soundtrack and the actual narrative because Donnie Darko, the score in that is astounding as well. Like all yeah, the 80s, the 80s songs. Yeah, it is. He knows. I feel like if I had a beer with this guy, we'd probably end up agreeing <laughs> on a lot of things. But you're right. You're right. Like, is it worth the two and a half hour slog to get a few shining moments of wonder? Potentially yes. not. I can't. <laughs> I, I, usually we talk about favorite scenes, but I, all, I, I almost feel like all of our favorite scenes is going to be the, the music. You're right, the music yeah. scenes, the, the killers scene, and the that and the national anthem, the national anthem, and the dance. Yeah. Even the dance at yeah, the end, yeah. the, to the Moby track, it's yeah. astounding. They're the best scenes. He, he's he's a, a director who works very well with visuals and, and and scores and music. That scene at the end, though, again, it's like that. It's like the Donnie Darko bit where everyone knows what is happening. Yeah. yeah. Despite the fact that no one should know what is happening. Yeah, it's kind of unclear, it's, isn't it? It's so. I find it, you know, it's nice to wrap up and conclude the film with a bit of a, you know, like rolling this together, this is yeah. what's happening, blah, yeah. blah, blah. It, it wraps up nicely as a as a presentation, but as a when you think about it in terms of a narrative, how the fuck does, you know, how does that make sense? No, <laughs> stop thinking about the narrative. I told you the stop earth it. is slowing stop down, it. Jack. Yeah. It, but on, on that note, it's, it's a film that wants you to think very deeply about its philosophies, but doesn't want you to think about the actual narrative in a does-this-make-sense kind of way. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, d- definitely definitely dive into what we're trying to thematically hint at, but don't worry too much about the whole fucking How we got perpetual there. motion. <laughs> yeah. perpetual Why motion. motion deep as a puddle? Yes, that's, a, that's probably a really good way to, to sum this movie up I love it I think it's an experience everyone should at least have once I if you're a madman like me watch it eight times <laughs> <laughs> how many hours of my life have I wasted watching self and Tales well eight times two and a half that's math 20, I don't know 20 hours Lee. that's quite bad isn't it I, I, it does make me sad that Kelly hasn't really gone on to do anything after the fact like it, the box the box was a massive flop the box was something that kind of ended his career I would have liked to have seen more from it. And it's been like ten, a good ten years since he's done anything directorial wise. He's just spent the time shot. actually working on something that will be cohesive and mind blowing at the same time. Don't give him too. Much oh, time. maybe he's doing <laughs> a secret movie. Maybe he's just really taking so. his time with it. I would, I would watch it I, again. I'm, I'm ready to kind of wrap up on my final thoughts. Jack, you kind of gave a good summary of what you think. Yeah, you're, you're right. Like, just not, not, not quite worth the, the, the effort of seeking out the novels. Yeah, I don't know if you want to elaborate any more on that. Is that spot on? Yeah, that's more. Yeah. That's what I've got to say. I think it's a good ride. I enjoyed the film. I don't regret watching it. Uh, I'm not going to do a deep dive on this one and look at like tinfoil hat theories or go into the you know the lore of it. But I encourage you to watch it yourself and make up your own opinions on it. Hannah? Yeah, I think it's it's a good one to to just go into and see what you come out with. Because you might come out with a new favourite movie. You might come out with a bit of a headache. Um, but there's definitely parts of it you will enjoy. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm still processing. I'll be honest. Just buffering, just, not quite yeah, loaded yet. Buffering. You've been thinking about it all tonight, Ryan. What? I feel like I was right coming into this. I did miss all those actors so much. But uh, Amy Poehler, I saw recently. We've I really not even talked about Parks yeah. and Rec, really? and I, I saw her in this, and I still felt like, oh my god, I feel like I haven't seen you in ages, and I've missed you, mm. and I feel safe in this environment even though i don't know what's going on but yeah i feel like long into the night i'm going to be asking you questions and i feel like we're going to keep talking about this yeah which is a big big plus in it's in it's kind of positives pros column it's 
simultaneously the most frustrating movie experience and one of the most entertaining movie experiences you'll watch, which is something you can't say about a lot of films. I think my kind of final takeaway from it is definitely watch it once. If it's your jam, if you watch this and think, yeah, I like this weird shit, what? yeah, watch it a few times. Watch Donnie Darko, watch it back, do them back to back, get the comics. But no one would... No one would begrudge you for not <laughs> liking this. Yeah, That's, you're not going to get the first no. time round, so if you live in Amsterdam, you might as well get stoned anyway. If you live in Amsterdam, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Or America. I don't know if we have oh, any. God, we're behind the times. <laughs> I don't know if we have any <laughs> listeners in Amsterdam, but if we do... Oh, I've been learning a bit about Amsterdam. Oh, hello is just hello. I was going to say hello in, Am- um, in, in Amsterdam. language podcast. But yeah, I think that's where we're, we're kind of wrapping up on Southland Tales. Now, thank you very much for listening. I do want to give a quick plug to our competition that's currently running for our Wickerman episode. Whoa, whoa. We are giving away a beautiful two-disc edition of the final cut of the Wickerman. The not 19, the bees. Not the bees. <laughs> not, not the bees. Not the bees version. The 1973 version, which is absolutely Bitching gorgeous. Soundtrack. Do check out our Insta, Twitter, and Facebook for competition information and how to enter that and how to get your hands on that copy. Uh, anyone would be looking to have it. We are also, um, we'll also be doing, uh, we haven't decided what we're doing next week, but I think I've got a plan. So I don't know if you guys want to go with me on this I like a man with a plan. Yeah, go on then. Well, <laughs> it's not that exciting. We're going to do Catwoman. Catwoman's oh, been on yeah. the list for a while. It's been so long since I've seen it's it. It's been a while. We're doing Catwoman. So, and I know Hannah, you're I'm specifically excited. excited this, so. <laughs> I am. Um, but yeah, do check us out on our Insta and Twitter at Bad Taste Buds Pod. Do check us out on Facebook at Bad Taste Buds Podcast and check us out at BadTasteBuds.com. I've become a pro at that. I'm so <laughs> fucking good at now. <laughs> like, listening to the first four episodes, I'm like, Bad Taste Buds. And then I'm like, on it, on it. But thank you again for listening. We hope you enjoyed and we'll see you next time. If you fall through a crack in space and time, don't shake your own hand. Or do. I'm not your boss. And remember, nobody rocks the cock like Krista now. <laughs>